today and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live right here on Faith FM. Hey, my name's Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie Pastor. Welcome to our program today. I'm coming to you from Sydney, the lockdown capital of Australia, still the lockdown capital. Hunter, you on board there? Yes, mate. How are you? He's uh, in the other studio. I'm in my studio in my house here in northwest Sydney, Riverston. And in Riverston, well, he likes to say he's somewhere else. Where are you, mate? I'm in Grantham Farm. He loves that. You love that, don't you? Grantham Farm, huh? Grantham Farm. It's actually, you have, it's actually you Riverston. Have a little, yeah, go on, go on. I was going to say, it's actually used to be Riverston. They just rechanged the postcodes and now I'm in Grantham Farm. Actually, I think you're, I'll give you some bad news, bro. I think you're still on the same postcode. Two, six, two, seven, six, five. <laughs> That's it. I'm sure of it. <laughs> you're still, you're still in our postcode, bro. Hey, yep. hey, you just had a big scare, didn't you? Tell, I tell, had, tell no. our listeners what happened. <laughs> I had a very big scare. We hit the go live button and all the computers crashed. <laughs> and I, you know, I have a bad streak in me, and I'm watching him. <laughs> and I'm watching him under enormous pressure because we can see each other. We can, uh, yes. A big welcome to our listeners. We're glad you're here today. Got a good program today. What's coming up, Hunty? Oh yes, uh, we've got um, a couple of really good interviews. We've got a regular um, Harold Harker. He's got a great story for us, and our special guest today is Simon. Now I'm going to let Simon. you pronounce his name. <laughs> Gelotti. That's how G- I'm going to say it. Gelotti. Gelotti. Okay. But he's going to, he's going to correct me because I know I've got that, that wrong in, in, in just a minute. He is actually our youth leader for the church here in Sydney. Not sure how many young people he, he cares for, but we've got some really, uh, very interesting and challenging questions for this guy. We do. Uh, that have come from some of our young people. So it'll be interesting to see how he, he answers us. And it is live. It, it is genuinely live. I'm sitting here in yes. my studio. He's ready to go actually. Yes. Uh, he's he's online, ready to go, and so looking forward to that. I, um, Hunty, uh, is Aussie Pastor, ask the Aussie Pastor on again today? Yes, of course. So, so how, you... how, how would our listeners get their questions? If you've got a question, any question on anything from the Bible or even elsewhere, if you've got a question, how do they get hold of us, Hunty? Okay, there's two ways to get hold of us. The easiest way is just to text us on 0488. Double eight zero eight five one, or you can email us info at aussiepasta dot com. Now that's pretty early in, on in our program today, too, isn't it? Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna get a question to us, you better get on your phone and text or email us asap. And I am looking forward to the questions. Now, Hunty, yes, uh, we had a winner also in our quiz last week. Now we're not going to say who that is yet, but we oh, did. We? Yet, but okay. we did have a winner, didn't we? We do. We have a winner. That was quite a tricky little question. Then we get lots of wrong answers. Yeah. Well, we're going to have another tricky little question, another quiz this week. Uh-huh. But we've got a good program, some good music, great interviews, some pretty good Bible studies. Looking forward to the next couple of hours with you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hey, Hunty. Yeah, mate. You've been abreast of the news again this week? I have. I uh, know you've got your television on and you're keeping up with it. <laughs> I've got my computer on. I'm keeping up with it. That's it. Hey, did you hear about up in Holland Park, which is pretty much the next door suburb to where I grew up in Brisbane, a young mother taking her baby for a walk and she got swooped by a magpie. Did you did you read oh, about that story? I, I did catch that story. Very, very sad. 
She seems to. Have you ever had a magpie sweep you? By the way, I have on, on my push bike when I was a kid. They'd come down and dive bomb me. I hated it. Man, is there ever an Aussie? Is there an Aussie alive who hasn't been swept by a magpie? Or who hasn't played tennis? Has <laughs> not played magpie <laughs> tennis for the tennis racket. <laughs> well, I used to uh, ride and those those things that swoop me. You know, yep. I'm, I still do ride actually, and I'd pull my pump off. They were the days where we'd have quite a big pump, yep. and I'd be swatting the thing trying to keep it off. They can be quite aggressive. And not a little bit scary. And this lady is walking in the park and this magpie, very aggressive magpie, yeah. swoops on her. She falls over with a little five-month-old child, daughter, just five months old in her hands. And, and unfortunately, the little one in the fall got injured and died. It's, it's a tragedy. And sadly, this one could possibly be, have been avoided. Yeah. They actually caught the magpie, you know that? I didn't. No. Yeah, they did. You know what they did with it? Have a guess. Hopefully. I actually, I actually know what they did with the magpie because for our listeners who don't know, magpies are actually protected here in Australia. And they're, aren't they an imported species? No, no, no. Andrew Hart. No. You're going to get yourself into I big am. trouble. I am. They're not an imported species. They're indigenous to the country, man. Uh, um, no, they're very much a, an Aussie okay. bird. Okay. But do you know what they did to it? I know what you'd do to it. Yeah, I guess they rehomed it, did they? They did. I was really surprised. But to rehome a magpie, you've got to take it more than 50 k's away from where it comes from or else it'll just fly back home. Yeah. So what they did is they actually took it out of the city and way, way, way bush and that bird was rehomed. But a terrible tragedy. And it just, again, reinforces even uh, for, for all of us, from, from babies right through to oldies like us, Hunty, it just reinforces how fragile yep. life is. Yes, indeed. Yep. And then there's... a. Uh, COVID in the news. Does the COVID ever go out of the news? I think we're going to have it in the news for at least another year or two. I mean, here in, in Sydney today, I think we were 300 and... Was it 370? Yeah, Is that right? It's a horrible or number. Somewhere around there? Yep. Numbers were really, really high. And I noticed there was an... Ep, ep, now, I'll, I'll try to get this right. An ep, epidemiologist. These are guys who, who um, study viruses, pandemics, diseases, and he was talking about the world's situation with COVID. I don't know whether you picked up with this story, Auntie, but he was saying that he reckons that this epidemic is only about 15 to 20% of its way through. Mm, yeah, I saw that. I, I, guess they based that I guess they based that on the number of people on the globe who've been immunised against COVID. Well, he did. And All what right. did they say, like only 5 or 10% or was it 15%? 15, I thought. 15% of people have been immunised, the rest aren't. So... Pretty scary figures, really, isn't it? Yeah, very. Um, yeah. And they're now talking on the news about Sydney, at least, being locked down until after Christmas. Uh, it seems that we're having trouble staying put in Sydney. The Sydney people seem to like mm. to get out, and mm. the virus just keeps spreading. And I think until we get to the point here in this city where we recognise that we've got to stay put for at least two to three weeks... For this thing to go away, we're going to continue to struggle. What do you reckon? Yep, uh, sad but true. Um, New South Wales is doing a great job now. Uh, people are jumping on board the vaccination bandwagon really fast. And we, we could be 80% vaccinated in a month or so. You had your second vaccination the other I day? I did, I did, so I'm fully vaxxed. Which one did you take again? I did to AstraZeneca. And you had the second one yesterday, didn't you? I did. How do you feel? Fine, very fine. Okay. I'm very happy to have had it because... Uh, at the moment in New South Wales, no one in hospital, no one in ICU, and no one on a ventilator is fully immunised. So no one who's intubated or died has been immunised. Uh, they were all unvaccinated, that's what that's, you're saying? That's correct, yep. 
Okay. Oh, I'm just interested to see how you, you, you felt after that second jab, whether or not it had an impact on you. I'm off for my second AstraZeneca jab on Friday, 10 o'clock. So I'll take a picture of it and encourage people to do the same thing. Yeah, nice. Uh, nice. We want to get out of this. It's claustrophobic, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, this morning I just went out into my veranda. And I, I'm making a, I'm making an effort to go and exercise every day, which is very important. Yep. But I went out into my veranda and just sat in the sun. I felt almost instantly better. Does that make sense to you, mate? I'm Look, sitting on my veranda in the sun, gentle wind blowing, and, and you know, I just mentally I felt so much better out, out on my veranda. Well, and when the sun hits your skin, your skin immediately starts creating melatonin. Yeah. Which yeah. does lift the, merit, lift the spirit and the mood. It's uh, a very good thing to do. Yeah. And this last news story we're going to look at, Hunty, I oh. found this one a little bit disturbing. Yeah, me too. Because if you ever come into great riches, which, which you or I never will, but, you know, you and me sometimes talk about what it will be like to win Lotto. Yes. Now, you've got to be in Lotto to win it, win ever in it, so True. we'll never win it. True. But, but I notice there's an $80 million Lotto out this coming Thursday or something or other. Now, I don't encourage you to go and <laughs> buy a ticket because you might as well throw your money away. There's just no chance you're going to win. That's right. But we, we've often dreamed, haven't we? We, we, we won Lotto Hunty. Yep. We'd, we'd build ourselves a church at New Hope because yep. we don't have a church. That's right. Um, we'd build a nice big church. It could fit uh, maybe a 1,000 people, eh? We would. Put a studio in it so that we could do our radio yep. and our television programs. Yeah, we would studio. for sure. We'd try to make a centre of excellence, uh, of ministry excellence here for Sydney yep. so we could reach this fabulous city that God's given us for Jesus. Um, but we're never going to win it. But this guy, Quentin Tarantino, very wealthy television director, producer, writer. You know about him? I do. He's a very talented man. Very talented man, isn't yep. he? Put yeah. out some big... Big movies. And he's dead. He's dead to go in directions which no one else is, is prepared to go. He's he's been the forerunner. He's been the the leader. He's been very creative and kind of led Hollywood in in different directions over his career. You mean technically, technically, and also with with his, visually and even his scripts, his, his stories. He is one man who's way out there. Uh, actually, I've seen a couple of his. Uh, um um, plots for his his movies and he, he to me doesn't reflect a, a, a really healthy. Uh, I mean, this guy's not a Christian, and and I think it's pretty much reflected in his movies. But he was talking about his mum the other day. Tell us about that. Unfortunately, he had an altercation with his mother when he was very young, probably mid teens. His mother was quite against his his writing career, and she basically belittled him and said. You know, enough's enough. Stop with the writing. Stop with the, the screenplays. You're never going to amount to anything. This is a waste of your time. Forget it. And, and he never forgot it. He did not take to that kindly. And he said to her back then, because back then it was when Elvis Presley had just given Cadillacs to his family and friends. Mm. And so he said to his mum, he said, well, I hear you. And when I'm rich and famous, no Cadillac for you. You'll never get a cent, he said. Never, that's right, never get a cent, yep. So he's, he's rich and famous, worth millions, maybe a hundred million or more. Oh, way more, yep. And here's his mum, living poor, mm-hmm. without a cent. 75 years old with, with very meagre means. It's incredible, isn't it? It is, and it makes me very, very sad. sad. It is very sad. Yeah. And you know, when you look at these news items today that we've looked at, we look at the fragility of the life with this little baby that lost her life to the magpie. So sad, such an awful accident. And then you look at COVID, which is ripping through Australia. But, I mean, in our, in our church, in, in our ch- local church at, at New Hope, we've had up to 10 relatives in Indonesia and Africa. Some of them 
my own wife's relatives, so relatives of mine, die. Uh, again, the fragility of life and, and the times we live in. And then you look at a story like Tarantino where he just can't forgive. It, it reminds you, doesn't it, that not too soon, not too soon, as we look up into the skies, we will see Jesus come. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Getting to know some of these songs now, Hunty, that mm-hmm, we play, mm-hmm. and I like this one. I love this next one too. I kind of chose this one because I knew these news things we're going to talk about today were pretty dark. Do you know that the lead singer in this group is yeah. one of my favourite artists on the planet? I don't even know who the lead singer is. It's Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits. In this, really? Absolutely. The Notting Hill Billies? Absolutely. I can't even believe I can't even believe this song snuck into our playlist. It's a beautiful one. It's It's talking about going home to heaven. Absolutely, it's a great song. And and you know when you read and you and you experience and you're living through these times, this is the kind of song, Hunty, that you can think about, you can listen to, and you go, you can you can say, yeah, I do feel like going home. Lord, I feel like going home. Tried and I failed, and I'm tired and weary. Everything I ever done was wrong, and I feel like going home.
Yeah, mate. Who did you say was the lead singer to that song? Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits. It sounds very Mark Knopfler, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, He's a very, very dire guitarist. Yeah. I want to welcome Simon. Simon Gelotti. Did I say your last name right there, Simon? Well, it was a good attempt. Um, last name, Giliotti. <laughs> Giliotti. Giliotti, got it. That's it. That's it. That's almost as bad as Grolleman, mate. <laughs> it's a tough one. Is it from what? Uh, Italy, I'm guessing. Yep, that's true. Yep. So my dad was born over there in Italy and um, came out here when he was about 12 or 13 with his family. So, yeah, we, oh, okay. we're Italian, Italians. We, we, uh, I've actually got family, Grolleman, Grolleman and Giliotti. Did I say that right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's much better. Grolleman <laughs> and Giliotti don't come from too far apart. Do you know where, where my family comes from? Can you guess? No. Grolleman? Grolleman. Grolleman. What do you reckon? In fact, what do I'm you doing- reckon, I'm going to throw it to Hunty, see what he gets. Oh, he I know. Knows. I know where he comes from. <laughs> oh, he knows. <laughs> Switzerland, right next door to Italy. So we're right next door to you guys. Um, now, I like you, Simon, and I like you for a couple of reasons. Not the least, you're a Queenslander. All the way, through and through, mate. Yep. <laughs> Living and working down here in uh, Sydney as a missionary, uh, yeah. holding the flag high in the state of origin, I, I noticed. Um, it was a hard year for us, wasn't it, in the state of origin? Yeah, it was a little bit tough this year. Um, I, I certainly got a lot of sledges in my inbox, you know, I on saw that. Uh, New South Wales fans. <laughs> I, I saw that on Facebook. But wasn't it sweet, sweet, sweet? I mean, I enjoyed that third match, coming to work the next day and seeing Hunty. You know, he was so confident that his guys would win, <laughs> and they went down in flames. You kind of knew the Queensland boys would, would rise up and take that third match. Um but I'm not here to talk to you about football. You're a you're you're a the youth leader for the Seventh Day Adventist Church here in Sydney. How many young people do you look after? Well, our church has got about nine and a half thousand members in total. I'd say a couple of thousand of them have got to be young people. Okay, for our church here in Greater Sydney. Well, that'd be a pretty interesting job. You're you're running programs, uh, training, teaching young people how to share Jesus, and all sorts of different things. Running camps, running pathfinders, which is what like scouts. Yeah, pretty much the Christian version of Scouts is probably the easiest way to describe it. Do you enjoy the job? I do. I do. The job's really rewarding. Um, (laughs) Suits me. Love to get out there with the young people and and connect with them. It's a little bit tougher in the COVID season. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a blessing all around. Well, I've got you on the program because I actually want you to answer some questions that come from some young people of ours. We're going to rip through these questions pretty quick because we don't have a lot of time, but I just am interested in your perspective. You're still pretty young. I'd say you're, what, 20s? Early 30s? Early 30s, early 30s. Yeah, yeah, I knew you weren't that old. You've been married not that long. How long have you been married for? Uh, this will be about maybe five and a half years. Matt. Oh, man, you're a veteran. Five and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you ready for this, mate? We're going to have to snap, we're gonna have to snap through these, but here we go. And these, we'll are from young, these are from young people. I went and asked young people, and, and this is what they came back at me. This is the five top questions I found. Uh, number one, okay. what do you think about online computer games? Okay. Well, I think online computer games probably got a lot of potential to suck up a lot of time. And um, it really comes down to what sort of games you're playing, I think, as well. You know, First um, Peter five eight, as an example, says that uh, we ought to be sober-minded. And I just sort of think of some of the games that are out there. Um, you know, some of them you can kind of run grandmas over in the street and shoot people and rob banks. And I just kind of think if you're spending your whole day 
um, getting into something like that, it's probably not going to be really good for your spiritual journey overall. So whilst there are some healthy games out there, um, or at least some games that are that are a bit more wholesome, I think it's pretty important to think about what you're actually playing and what you're what you're working with. Well, you're a young man. Do you play Do you play computer online games? Well, to be honest, I'm just not not super into it. Um, oh, so okay, fair enough. Never really, never really struck me as a as a thing. Do you think? Do you think? Like, if, I've got kids, and and I know that you know my kids. I've got. Uh, in fact, all of my kids fall within the jurisdiction of your ministry. I think my oldest is twenty-three, my youngest is fourteen, so a nine-year gap there. Do you do you think um, then that kids should be playing? And if they do play, what, what would be your advice as a youth leader who works with young people? How many hours a day? Yeah, so I mean, yeah, my advice would be to young people. There's a couple of principles I'd go with. One would be: is the, is the game I'm playing wholesome? Um, and is it going to affect my life spiritually? You know, like uh, Philippians four talks about about concentrating on things that are good and admirable and 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 noteworthy. So yeah, is the game a wholesome game? That would be the first one. And there are some out there. There's some fun games out there that you can yeah. play on the Wii yeah. and Mario Kart and all of that kind of stuff. I actually know a bunch of young guys who started an outreach ministry using Mario Kart. They'd have the you know they'd have their friends come to church and they'd play Mario Kart together and that kind of thing. And that's great. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so, so one is it wholesome? Two, um, in in terms of time, you know, uh, a wise old guy said to me once, if you've got, if you if you're busy serving the Lord, you probably find you're not going to have as much time for other stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I I would say to young people, at the end of the day, if you're spending more time playing video games than you are. Um, either in scripture or serving in your Pathfinder club or serving down the local church or helping your community out or um, putting effort into your studies or, you know, growing a skill that's going to help you somewhere, you might be on the wrong path spending spending okay. all that time in that space. So that would probably be, yeah, my, my thoughts on that one. Here's a question without notice. I don't know whether I should do this on radio to our youth pastor, but I'm going to do it anyway. Quickly, because I want to get on to these other questions. I want to get through as many of these questions in the time we've got. And if we run out of time, I'm bringing you back, man, to answer the other ones. Hey, hey, any advice to dad and mum as they try to advise, teach, lead and guide their kids in the type of games they should watch or play and the time they spend playing them? Any advice to dad and mum? Yeah, I would just say that, I mean, uh, I'm not a parent, so I'm a bit careful to, to shoot too much parental advice out. But mm. I would just say if, if you can get your kids focused on things that are really going to help them grow and learn, um, that's going to be a whole lot more valuable than, than having them there on the video games. And if, they're, if you've got them playing, if they're going to be playing video games at some point, um, yeah, why not look for ones that are at least at least wholesome in character? Yeah, yeah, look, I've often thought to myself, you know, you, you, your kids run away and they're in their rooms and they're playing these online games and you think, oh, good, it's quiet. And it's, you could almost use it as a child-minding sort of a approach to life, but it's pretty negative, uh, dark sort of way to look after your kids, isn't it? Spend time with your kids, invest in them, get them outside, do some stuff. It, it always works better. Hey, what about social media, good or bad, when it comes to young people? I think social media's got a, a little bit of both, um, good and bad. The good thing about it is it's it's a great place to connect with people. Um, you can you can share your faith on social media as well, and 
and and that sort of thing. Uh, the, the the challenge with it is, that I think it makes a lot of young people really anxious in our time. Um, one, they're comparing themselves to others. So they put a post up and they get four likes, but their friend got 25 likes and, <laughs> you know, all, all of a sudden their friend's better than them or, yes. you know, even among... I, I don't think that's not, just... That's not just young people, is it, man? <laughs> well, that, that's right, isn't it? Um, I often yeah. wish I could get as many likes on my posts as Hunty does, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and... It, that, that is a bit of a challenge. Like you think of things like Instagram, um, we're, we're always showing our best side, but there's, yeah. you know, that's not really the reality of life. And I think that can create a bit of anxiety. There's there's bullying that takes place in there as well, which can create a bit of anxiety. And um, yeah, so there's some good in there, but there's also some not so good in there when it comes to social media. A couple of quick questions. Do you use social media? I do. How 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 often and how much are you on social media a day? I think I'm on there too much. Oh, okay. Um, yep. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know the exact the exact time, but I actually read a book recently, which really which really challenged me. There was a guy on there. Um, his name's John John Mark Comer. He wrote this book about uh, and well, it's about spirituality, about knowing Jesus, really. But he, he basically said. Something along the lines of, you know, a lot of us in our time we get we're anxious and we're we're worried and and that kind of thing. But you know, we're consuming so much stuff that's probably not that great for us. No wonder we're kind of feeling feeling that way. And um, what he's done in his life is he's actually set up his social media, so he just checks it. Um, well, he, set, he checks his Facebook and that and Twitter, I think, once a week. And then he sets his, checks his Instagram once a day. That's where okay. all his friend, friends are. Yep. And he sort of, what he's done is he's made sure that he's got, you know, like positive um, things that he's following in Instagram and he's got his friends in there and he's connecting with them. And so I think for me, ideally, it would be good to, to, to jump on social media um, once a day for about half an hour or so, check mm-hmm. things out, connect with people. But I think at the moment I'm probably one of those people that you'll be walking down the street with nothing to do for a minute and you'll pull your phone out and have a scroll through it and, and, ha- and have a look. And, uh, and I'd like to work on that personally because I think yeah. we've got a lot more peace without it. Hey, um, what, you mentioned bullying. What would your advice be to a young person who is genuinely being bullied on social media? Is it just get off it or, or what, is, what, what would you say? Because it does happen, it's a big problem out there. In fact, it's not just for young people. There's, I've noticed bullying. I've I've experienced people trying to bully me, bully me, <laughs> yeah, me on too. social media, you know, all yeah. the time. Um, but but for a young person who can be quite vulnerable, what's your advice to them if they're being bullied online? Yeah, I think my first bit of advice would be, you know, talk to someone that you trust about the situation, just so that someone else who cares about you and and loves you, preferably an older person, maybe it's mum or dad or. Um, a friend, your pastor, your chaplain, your, yep. your le- youth leader, someone like that. So talk to someone who you trust and that you know cares about you. That would be the first the first step, just so you've got some support there. And mm. the second step, I think, for me would um, use the block feature. So yeah. if you've got some, if you've got someone that's bullying you, you know, um, no no reason not to block them. I I like this idea of actually setting your social media up as a bit more of a positive space than a negative space by who you follow and who you're talking to. and So that would be my um, my advice for a couple of initial steps for a young person anyways. Yeah, and for dad and mum? 
For dad and should, mom, that, should they think, be keeping an eye on what their kids are, are watching and, and saying and talking to on social media and ensuring that they're not being bullied? Is there a, should they be doing that and is there a way they can do that? I think 100% that um, they, they should be doing that. Um, to do that really well, probably a bit of a challenge. Um, I suppose it depends on what devices you, your kids have and, mm. and how far they're, they're carrying them around with them and, and those yeah. sorts of things, but... I think if you can set up some of those software systems in your house, etc., where there's a certain time for internet, there's and there's not a time for internet, and and you can kind of um, have a bit of a control around the the amount of time that that young people have devices yeah. for. That's yeah, got to yeah. help. Hey, Hunter, you brought up yep. four kids. I did, and you brought them up in the age of social media and the phone and all the rest of it. Have you got anything to say as we're having this conversation? I used to, I used to say, look. Of an afternoon after school, it's like homework first, and then it's get your bag ready for school tomorrow. So it's clothing out, uh, bag packed. Once all the chores are done and we've had dinner, um, I used to let the kids go to bedtime. Um, but I had my house wide. I could see on my computer a small picture of everyone's screen, so I could see what they were all doing and how long they were on. And and I would um, at certain bedtimes, I would just switch off certain parts of the um, the network in my house. So, so at eight thirty nine o'clock, I'd hear, "Oh, Dad!" <laughs> but I did have my house wide because I was quite worried about uh, it because it was a bit it was a bit early days back then, and I was being very careful. You know what I've noticed, Simon? In my house, if I can't get action, like Liz, Lizzie will have dinner on or something. Hunty uh, taught me this trick. She can't get them down, and she's getting you know, Mum's getting frustrated, and the tension's in the air. I just walk out to the garage and go. Click and switch the internet That's where the router is, yeah. They're, they're all down, ready to eat within about 30 seconds, mate. <laughs> and look, Simon, so, I, have a, I have a couple other questions I want to ask you, but we've run out of time. I want to know, will you, will you, will, uh, firstly, will you come back next week? Sure. We can, we can have a crack at those next week. I'd love that if we could do that because the, the other questions I've got are really quite serious and they're very important. But we're running out of time. Love talking to you. You're an interesting fellow. Uh, you're doing a great work, and we thank God for you. And uh, so same time next week. What do you reckon? Let's do it. Lock we it might, in. We might call this section Ask the Youth Pastor Hunty. Great idea. How does that sound? Yep, done. Uh, ask, the, ask the Sydney Youth Pastor who comes from Queensland. How does that sound to you, Simon? <laughs> I'm happy with the Queensland part, mate. That's all good with me. <laughs> hey, God bless you, mate. Thanks for coming on board. And, yeah, we'll, we'll, if it's okay, we'll get you on next week and, and we'll ask you these what I think are very serious questions from Sounds our young good. people. Thank you. I'll be, I'll be back. Thank you. Yeah. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I like talking to that guy, Hunty. Yeah, good value. He is. He's full of life. He's a great youth leader. He does a tremendous job for our churches here in Sydney. We're very, very blessed to have him. We are. And as you know, he is a Queenslander through <laughs> and through. You've got to love that about him, Hunty. You've yes. got to love that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ask the Aussie Pastors coming up. Yes, if you've is. got a question... And, and we're not going to give this segment up, are we, Hunty? No, because it's a this good segment. Gonna, it's, um, yeah, this is going to keep going, this segment. But if you've got a question, how do they... Now, now I know we keep telling you. Yes. Hunty, do you know this number off by heart yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> so we're into almost a quarter of a century of programs, look, and neither you or I know look, the number. My brain is old and it's full. To push this number in, I'll have to lose another number somewhere. <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, if you want to text us or you want to email us a question, any question yes. can be on the Bible or anything else about life. Yep. Ask the Aussie pastor how they do it. Zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email us simply info at aussiepastor.com. Okay, this next song, I Just Want to Be With You, are Don Moen. Again, another favourite of mine now. Beautiful song. Thanks, Auntie. song hunty absolutely love that song hey just um in the last few days actually we've started well we're, we're broadcasting on our uh platforms a program asking the question it'll be a series i suppose maybe five to eight programs long yep. they're only about 10 15 minutes long hunty yep, these yep, ones yep. but they're broadcast on our platforms facebook youtube yep. where else are we uh that's it yeah social media and youtube 
So so it also goes across to Hope Channel and uh Yep, and on our, on our website, AussiePastor.com. Yeah, yeah. So and, and we're asking the question, what would Jesus or what would Jesus say about the pandemic? Yes. Now bear in mind this is for television. This is this is where this is our home, Hunty. This is where we actually work. Let me put a little plug in. Um you can actually watch the actual video of this that we're about to play you. We, well, that's what I was about to ask you. Where oh, would you go to watch it? Findjesus.tv. Just so go to findjesus.tv? Yep, www.findjesus.tv. Or you can look up Aussie Pastor on Facebook or yes, YouTube. that's right. And you're going to yep. see it there. And what's it called again? Uh, what Jesus what would said, Jesus say what Jesus about, said about the pandemic. About the pandemic. Yeah. And I wanted to play it on radio today, Hunty. Now, bear in mind to our listeners, this is made for television. So I have my dog, believe it or not, sitting next to me in this program. <laughs> and there's a bit of interaction between me and my dog. That's it. But if you, if you can kind of get... The fact that this is for television, I think you get. I wanted to share this with our listeners, Hunty, because yeah, I think it's a really study. important yep. message. It only went out oh, a few days ago. There's Correct. another one going out tomorrow night. Yep. Another one on the Friday night. As I said, you can pick them up easily online at www.findjesus.tv or Aussie Pastor Facebook or YouTube page. And I think you're going to find it interesting. So you're ready to play it, Hunty? Absolutely. Let's go. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie pastor, and I'm just coming to you today because I want to answer a simple question, I'm only going to take a few minutes to do it. What does Jesus think about the pandemic? Now I'm Australian, I've been a pastor here for 31 years. I know that Aussies generally are not into Jesus. But we're in a pandemic. Here in Sydney, we are locked down. I'm coming to you from the lockdown capital of Australia, and I live in Riverston. My church is uh, down the road in Vineyard. Both where I live and my church, we are locked down tight. We are on a super lockdown. Yeah, love you too, mate. We're on a super lockdown. I can only just walk out the door and go and buy something or do a little bit of exercise. The exercise, I've got to keep a mask on. So I get, I know Australia. I've been here all my life. I get how Aussies work and I know we're not into Jesus that much. But we're in a pandemic and there's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of fear out there. And I want to put it to you and I want to challenge you. Maybe it's time us Australians started to look again at Jesus. What does Jesus say about the pandemic? Well, 2,000 years ago, Jesus lived here on earth. He actually claimed to be God, and he came, a miraculous story. But he came down to earth and became a human being. And while he was here on earth, he had 12 followers, disciples. And one particular day, they go up onto the Mount of Olives, and they sit down, and this is what happens. I'm going to the Bible, Matthew 24, verse 3. Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives with his disciples, and they came to him, and they privately said, Tell us what will it, what will happen? What sign will signal your return in the end of the world? So what the disciples have done is they come to Jesus, they're sitting on this mountain, they're saying, Jesus, what's it going to be like at the end of the world? Will there be signs that tell us that the world is ending? Okay. Again, not a popular idea in Australia, the idea that the world could be coming to an end. But I want you to think for a moment. Everything in our world is finite. Everything has a beginning and everything has an end. You have a beginning and you'll have an end. And I'm going to put it to you that our world had a beginning and it's getting old. She's coming to an end. And these disciples, these followers of Jesus, they said, hey, tell us what it'll be like at the end of time, at the end of the world. 
And so Jesus sits down. And in two great chapters in the Bible, Matthew 24 and Luke 21, he tells them. So let's look at a couple of things Jesus said will be happening at the end of the world. At the end of the world. Matthew 24, 6 and 7. Jesus said, and you'll hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will rise, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom rising up against kingdom. So I want you to think for a moment, is that the world you live in? Remember these two great chapters in the Bible, Matthew 24, Luke 21? They have these signs that Jesus said would be around when the world was ending. So the first one he says, hey, there's going to be wars and rumours of war. So I'm thinking, China, Taiwan, China, the United States of America, Russia, Ukraine, North Korea, South Korea, North Korea, the United States. You know, you look around the world, there's just conflicts everywhere. In fact, Here's a fact you might not know. In the last 120 years, so from 1900 to 2021, there have been more wars and more people have died than the rest of recorded history combined. Yep, Jesus said, hey, at the end of the world, there's going to be lots of wars. Wasn't the only thing he said. Matthew 20, 24 verse 7, there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. Well, Right now, tonight, two-thirds of the world will go to bed hungry. Bet you didn't know that. Never have there been more hungry people on the planet than there are today. A sign that the world is ending. He said there'll be lots of earthquakes and they'll be all over the place. I mean, earthquakes are so common now. Now, I'm 57. Earthquakes have not always been that common. They're increasing in frequency and intensity. Why? Well, perhaps the world is getting old. I don't know, this is confronting for you Aussies out there, but perhaps it's coming to an end. What else did he say? Well, look, remember, two great chapters in the Bible, Matthew 24, Luke 21. Go read them. Google the Bible. It's there online. Look up Matthew 24, then go to Luke 21. Read the whole story of all the signs Jesus said that the world is ending, and you'll go like me, yep, the world is getting old and it's coming to an end. So there'll be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. And then in Luke 21, verse 11, Jesus says this. There'll be great earthquakes and there'll be famines and he calls them plagues in many lands. And there'll be terrifying things. Jesus says at the end of the world there will be pandemics. Now here's the deal. Because I'm a follower of Jesus, I think i got insight and foreknowledge to the future. I reckon this pandemic we're going through right now is just the start. Because you know the way these signs of Jesus work? He says there'll be wars, there'll be famines, there'll be pestilences and plagues and pandemics. What happens is they increase in frequency and ferocity as the world gets older. In fact, if we go back to Matthew 24, this is what Jesus says about the times I think we're going into. Now don't, 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 Get too afraid here or, and don't think this guy's off the planet. Just, just hang with me for a moment. Matthew 24, 21, Jesus says about the end of the world, about the time we live in. He says, for then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. Jesus said, we're about to go into a time of trouble like the world has never, ever seen. I'm not one of those pastors. I'm not one of those preachers who's going to tell you that things are going to get better because Jesus, when he sat on this mountainside with his disciples, said they're not. They're actually going to get worse. 
We're going to see things we've never seen before. We're going to go through things that are terrifying that we could never have imagined because we are living, Jesus said it and the Bible says it, we are living at the end of the world. You want to know what's going on out there? You want to know why there's so much chaos? You want to know why there's so many disasters all over the place and they're increasing in frequency and intensity? I'll tell you why. Because the world is getting old, Jesus said it, and it's dying and you happen to be living on the planet when it's dying and it's going to end. That's right, it is going to end. So where does that leave us? Well, this is where I want to challenge my fellow Aussies. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 and 7, Jesus says this through one of his great men, the Apostle Paul. This is what he says. And I get great comfort with chaos everywhere around me in this little scripture. Jesus said, remember the Lord is coming soon. Yeah, got a little hint of what's going to happen at the end of the world. I'll talk about that to you next time. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry. Jesus said, don't worry. This is what he offers Australians. He's saying to you, you don't have to believe in him. You don't have to be a great follower of his. You don't have to be a great theologian or know the Bible really well. Jesus says, don't worry. He's talking to you. That's right. To the average general run-of-the-mill Aussie like me, like you. He's talking to you. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, he said, pray about Everything He said, come and talk to me. This is the Jesus that just about the entire nation, Australia, rejects. He loves us. He knows the end of the world is going to be fearful. He knows we're going to be anxious. We're not, not sure about the future. I'm not sure about my job. I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage if this pandemic keeps going. Everything, we're going to lose jobs. And he says, don't worry about anything. This is me now. I'm not worrying. Instead, Pray, Jesus said, come and talk to me about everything. Tell God, tell me what you need. And thank me for what I've done, says Jesus. Then you will experience, and this is the point, and this is what I want to offer you today. I'm not trying to win you to a religion. I'm not even trying to get you to church. I want to give you this as a gift from one Aussie to another. He says, if you come talk to me, if you pray, and when you talk to God, just talk to him from your heart, in your language, in your way, says, then you'll experience God's peace. Mm, don't you like that? Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. So when you talk to Jesus, when you pray, what do you get back? Peace. And there's a lot of anxious, frightened, fearful people out there in Australia at the moment. Losing jobs, losing businesses, not sure of the future. You know, I think as human beings we can face just about anything if we have peace. And if you start to talk to Jesus, I can guarantee you, tell him about your fears, tell him about your anxieties, tell him what you're worried about and ask him for help. The first thing he's going to give you is peace. Now you might think this is a whole lot of nonsense, rubbish. This guy's talking off his head. Well, if you're still with me on this uh Little talk, I want to challenge you with this. Go and talk to Jesus. Say, well, it's George, or it's Harry, or it's Darren here, or it's Ruth, or it's Petra, or it's Simone. Tell him who you are, and tell him you're anxious, and tell him you're afraid, and tell him you're after the peace that he promised, and just see what happens. Open your mind, pray to him, and just 
See what happens. I'll guarantee you, he will come to you and he will give you peace. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. So that's a little uh, series we've got going, Hunty. Mm, it's a good series. And yeah, I think it is. We're going mm. to talk to the people of Australia over the next few weeks about how Jesus can help them through this pandemic with all the fear and the anxiety and the worry that it's bringing. And it is bringing fear and anxiety, it mate. Is, yep. I mean, people wonder about their jobs, how they're going to put food on the table, how they're going to pay the mortgage off, the school fees, uh, how they're going to live, how they're going to exist. It's scary stuff. Yep. And uh, so we just thought we'd share a little bit over the next few weeks. And, Hunty, again, if you want to go and watch that series, where do you go to? Yeah, findjesus.tv. Click on uh, live broadcasts and it's right there. Yeah, okay. Our next song's by by, by by a guy by the name of Keith Green. Oh, I love you know Keith him, Green. Oh, my goodness. He is just such a beautiful man, such a great Christian song creator. He died um, a while ago now, July 28, 1982, in a plane. <sighs> such a sad Did you know day. that? I did. There were, there were 11 people in that plane, including two of his children, and they'd taken off from his property. Yep. And I was just going to go up and have a look at the property and then come back down. But the guy, the pilot, had overloaded the plane. Oh. And they took off and, and the thing crashed and he and his two children, everybody on board that plane, including the pilot, died. And he was only, you know how old he was, 29. Did you know, did you know uh, Lloyd, that at his concerts he used to give away his records? He used to say, hey, if you can afford it, make a donation. If not, take one and be blessed. And he wrote beautiful music, didn't he? Oh, yeah, the best. Beautiful. Yeah, and this is one of his great songs, There is a Redeemer. I hope you enjoy this. This is the testimony, and it's his legacy of a young man who knew Jesus and died far too young.
precious Lamb of God, Messiah. Beautiful song mm. from a man of God who left us all too soon, Hunty. Too soon. Ask the Aussie pastor. Yes. I kind of like this uh, yes, segment. I know some questions. There are, are some in. curly questions for you today. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got to answer them quickly. Always remember this. Ask the Aussie pastor segment is uh, answer the quick answer the question quickly. So we only kind of skim over the top of it, don't, don't we? Yep. Oh, this first one's a ripper. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Where is God in this pandemic? My short answer is he's right here next to us walking through the pandemic with us. That's where he is. Right next. So where is he now? Right next to me, in my heart, with his arms around me, taking me through it. And if I get sick and go to hospital, if I get intubated and I lie in the hospital bed dying, God is still there by me. Uh, walking with me, never leaving me. That's what he says, I'll never leave you. You know, when you follow Jesus, hunty, he never ever promises you that you won't face sickness, trial, trouble, challenge and death. You do get that, don't you, mate? That's right, yep. He never promises that. It, you get this prosperity gospel preached out there by some preachers. It's it's an enigma, to, it, it, it's a shocking thing. It's not what the gospel is about. The gospel's not, hey, follow Jesus and everything will work out. The gospel is, follow Jesus and he'll walk through with you the challenges of life. And he will never let you suffer that which, beyond, which would be beyond you. That's right. So, so that's how I see this. Where's God in the pandemic? Right here, next to me, next to you, walking through it with us. Mm. Very nice. Okay, this next one. When I sin, why do I feel so far from God and does God hate me and... Does he want me anymore? It's a good question, that one, isn't it? Mm. When I sin, what I feel, I, I, I can answer this one from personal experience. When I sin, and it's, it's still too often an experience in my life, auntie. Don't know about you, but I'm mm, a sinner. I am. <clears throat> I think our Some, Bible study later, too, will probably go into this one in a bit more depth. Yeah, it will. Um, when I sin, though, it does separate me from God, and I... I uh, personally do feel it. Uh, it. It's probably what hurts me more than anything else is when I feel the separation that sin brings from God. So, yeah, that's why you feel. What was the question? Why do I? Um, where it, well, there's three parts. Uh, when I sin, why do I feel so far from God? Well, that's why I feel far from God because sin separates you from God. Mm-hmm. He's not far away. It's just you feel that he is. In fact, you, he, he's, as, he's as close to you as a whisper. You're just going to say, Lord, please, I'm yep. sorry. Come yep. back. Yep. Yeah, go, mate. What was the second part? Uh, the second part was, does God hate me? No. Mm. If God, God, God loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you so that he could take your sin. So, no, he doesn't hate you. And the last part he loves is? You. Satan will tell you that he hates you. But you and you might feel that at the time, but it's not true. 
And the last part of the question is, um, does he want me anymore? Yes. No matter how far you fall. And, uh, look, the guy talking on the end of the microphone here, Lloyd Grolleman, I- I've been the faller of fallen at times, hunty. You yeah. know me well. You me know too. this. Me too. So far from perfect. Um, let my Lord down so much and struggle so many times of certain things in my life. I really do, hunty. Still do. And I know you do too. Genuine, bona fide, real struggles. And when I fall down, does God still want me? Does he still love me? Of course. Absolutely. He gave his son Jesus. That's how much he wants you. So, so Satan will tell you, Satan, Satan will lead you into the sin. It'll make you feel separated from God. You're going to sense and feel God hates you, that he doesn't want you. But it's quite the opposite. God's there standing there with his arms outstretched and saying, hey, come to me. Just ask. I will come to you. God does not, does not want to be away from his children. He wants to be with them, even though when they're fallen and broken. I hardly on that one. Are you a father? I am. Four kids. How many children? Mm, four. Four kids. Are you a grandfather? I'm a grandfather. Yeah, you are. One Old grandchild, man. yes. Hey, if one of your kids, say your son, really did something silly and ended up in jail, wow. are you going to stop loving him? Of course not. You're going to still love care him. going to love him more. So, so, so here's a father who loves his son, even when his son, what if he does something that hurts you? Would you still, well, our kids do hurt us sometimes. You know, there's another question coming up about this, actually, I've just noticed. Um, yeah. Would, would, um, would, 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 would you still love your son? Of course. If he hurt you? Of course. Of course. Of course. And God's a lot more magnanimous than Andrew Hunt, let me tell you, as That's good right. a dad as Andrew Hunt is. That's right. He loves you. If you get nothing else out of our programs, go away knowing God, no matter what you do, we can do stuff that make him sad. I do, I do, Hunty does. Yep. We do stuff that makes him sad. We can sin, we can separate ourselves from us, but he's just a whisper away. He's there, he loves us, he loves us, he loves you. Okay, Hunty. Okay, question. the next one. I can't forgive my brother. Oh, I could probably weigh in on this. I can't forgive my brother for an awful thing he did to me when I was young. How do I forgive him when he doesn't acknowledge even what he did? Okay. Someone's written that who knows hurt and pain. Correct. Um, the short answer to that is when I went through my divorce many years ago now, and I think back on it, and I've said this publicly many times, I think I was primarily responsible for that divorce, Hunty, for, in a number of different ways. Yep. God led me to that, and it was very painful. Yep. But I could not forgive my, my wife at the time. And so what did I do? Well, I fumed. You were around, Hunty. Yep. I fumed for about an hour, uh, a, a year or two, eh? Yeah, a little bit. Really cranky, uh, very annoyed, um, blaming her for everything. But I got to a point where I knew that if I s- couldn't forgive her, even though in, in retrospect it was probably my wife who needed to forgive me more, but if I couldn't forgive her, I was never going to move on. Ministry was finished. I was finished. Yep. And someone came to me, I don't know whether it's my dad, it might have been my dad or someone, they said, you need to start praying for your wife. I said, I don't want to pray for her. He said, you need to. So I started to pray for this person who I perceived had hurt me. And I, a miracle happened, Andrew, and it took mm. two or three months, but every yep. time I started off praying, and I was praying awful prayers, Andrew, terrible prayers. I, I, was, I, was, I was telling the Lord how much I hated I mean, what an awful thing to say, that I hated my wife and I wanted him to deal with her and da-da-da-da. But at the end of the prayer, I'd say, but Lord, bless her anyway. Mm. You know what happened is my heart started to soften Yep. to the point where I had totally forgiven my wife through prayer of what I thought 
was a terrible sin against me. Well, what happened was then God convicted me of my sin against her and I actually had a lot of problem forgiving myself. Does that make sense, Andrew? Yeah, I remember that. I had to pray for myself then that the Lord had helped me to forgive myself. That's right. But when God gets into the... So if you've got uh, 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 someone who's abused you, whether sexually, mentally, physically, uh, or, or one of those awful sins and you can't forgive them, as difficult it is, pray for them. And I don't know how God does it. I can't explain it. But he works a miracle and you will forgive. And that forgiveness, whether they're asking for it or not, that forgiveness is really important for you. Correct. You can only move on when you've forgiven. Correct. Can I add yeah. to that? Yep. Don't let someone live rent-free in your head. <laughs> Don't wander around thinking about it. Forgive it's them. It's easy to say that. Though, it is, know, but forgive them, take a breath, and start the very first day of your life in peace. Sometimes you can't do it. That's right. You've got to go to God. He's the only person. Yeah, you've got, you've got to pray for him. I hear that. Yep. And, and I've tried. I tried that. I don't, and I heard, I heard all those things, but yep. I actually couldn't do it. Does that make sense? Correct. I could not Many, forgive. I actually physically, mentally, yep. psychologically could not forgive. Many can't. And it was only when I started to pray for that person that had hurt me that God worked a miracle. And it is a miracle, and I don't think psychologists can explain it. And I was able to forgive. So if you've got someone you can't forgive who probably has done something really, really bad to you, just pray for them. Um, tell God what they did. You know, tell God about what they did to you, and, and you can even ask God, you know, to, to deal with them. But you, but in the end, you've got to say, "But Lord, help me to forgive them and bless them." And I, I don't know; it's a miracle that happens, and I've I've seen it happen many times to people since, as I've led them from my experience through a, a similar experience of forgiveness. Yep. Hey, Lloyd. Good luck answering this one in a brief moment. How do you prove there is a God? I know there's a God because I know Him. That's how I prove it. I don't think you can prove God academically. You ex- prove God experientially. And what I mean by that, look, there is some elements of God you can prove academically when you look at nature and the balance of nature. Yeah, and, and DNA. And, out there. Yeah, the yeah all that. Yep, yep. But, but the best proof of God that anyone can experience is God himself in their heart and in their lives. And if you want to experience God, start reading your Bible. Start praying. Ask for the Holy Spirit to come into your heart. You'll experience God. You'll experience God in all power, and that's how I prove God. I prove God because I know God. I prove Andrew Hunt because I know Andrew Hunt. I prove God because I know God. How I know God? I'm in the Bible. I'm in prayer. I've asked the Holy Spirit into my life. I am experiencing God. That's how I prove God. Yep. Okay. Um, Is war justifiable? That's a hard one. Mm. In most cases, I'd say no. Mankind should not fight, Uh, should not go to war. I think that's why the Adventist church itself takes a... Uh, fairly uh, non-combatant stance when it comes to war, Andrew. Thou shalt not kill. Uh, yeah. One of the great Adventist heroes in history is a guy called Desmond Doss who mm. refused to fight, mm. but he went as a... Um, medic. Medic. And I think he saved how many men? Was it 100 or 80 yeah. or something? The Hacksaw Ridge film is a great is a great film if you want to see his, his life story. Yeah, so I'd, I'd say in most cases wars should not be fought. Men are not designed to kill each other. My dad was a chaplain in the US Army in both Korea and, and uh, Europe at the times of the Gulf War and he saw the young American men, good men and women come home shattered from war, destroyed mentally, uh, spiritually and physically. Human beings are not designed to kill each other. So, yeah, I don't think war is a good idea. Is war ever justifiable Well, when you see the Holocaust and what the Nazis did? Something had to happen there, didn't it? That's right. That, that couldn't continue. 
Um, but it, it, it's a sticky question, and uh, I, I, I encourage our young people: if you must join the army or the navy or the air force, we'll go as a, a non-combatant. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. Can you describe God? One word: love. Yep. I like that. Work out what love is, and then you'll you'll know God, because God is love. I know that's a, a glib answer, Hunty. But it really, when you think about it, that's that's the best way to define and describe God, who is a spirit, not a person, can't see him physically. So, so how do I define and describe God? He is love. But if you really want to know what God is like, you know what to do, don't you, Hunty? Do you know? Do you know what to do if you want to know what God is like? Um, Bible study and prayer. Go and read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Yeah, for sure. Because in Matthew Mark, and Luke and, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you'll see the story of Jesus. And guess who Jesus was? He was God. Yep. And so you'll see God walking on the earth and you'll know what God's like. Okay, mate, I hope that helps. That does. So um, what religion is the oldest? Oh, uh, I could guess that. Oh, I'd say Christianity. Yeah, me too. Say, well, Christianity is mm. only 2,000 years old. No, it's not. Christianity has its centre in Christ. But Christianity started in the garden. That's the story of Jesus um, and his salvation of the earth. So, I, I, look, some people say Hinduism or one of these Eastern religions. I don't, I don't cop that for a minute. It's Christianity, mm. uh, and and the worship of Christ was before the cross and after the cross. It's from it's from the fall of mankind until the second coming of Jesus. It's Christianity. Got a great question here from our mate Freco. He says, "Hi, fellas, love your work." Mark chapter ten, seventeen, and eighteen. Jesus yep. denies being good and denies being God. Why? God bless you and the team. Uh, well, he doesn't. Den- look, I'd have to look that up, auntie. Mark chapter <laughs> 10, verses 17. Have I got time to do that today? Yeah, yeah, look it up. Uh, That'll be put it on the back burner for next week. I'm going to have to go to my Bible, Mark chapter 10, and I'll read it. Okay, Mark chapter um, 10 and verse 17 to 18. <laughs> I didn't have my, my, my computer open. To get to my Bible, <laughs> I should have for this section. While, while you look that up, we've got a. Um, I've got it. Oh, you got it. Okay. Yeah. What? Yeah. What are you going to say? Uh, we've got a prayer request from um, a listener, which we'll talk about later. Let's go back to um, okay. Mark chapter. As 10. Jesus was st- okay, this is interesting. As Jesus was starting out on the way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, "Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life?" Well, that's a good question. Then Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus didn't say he wasn't good there, hunty. Right. Do you get that? Yep. He said, why do you call me good? Jesus asked, only God is truly good. Well, who do you think Jesus was? Mm. He was God. God. Mm. Yeah, he was God. And so Jesus was not saying he wasn't good. He's saying, why did you call me good? Um, and then he says, only God is good. Again, he's not saying I'm not good. Because he is, he knew who he was, he was God. He was just directing his questioner to God. He just said, only God is good. Well, Jesus was God, God is good. Jesus is good. Make sense, auntie? That's right. Yep, thank you. Ooh, I'm glad I, I'm glad I said, I hope that helps you, mate. <laughs> All right. So, um, that's a good question, though. That's a good if question. I was given prizes for <laughs> questions, questions, I'd give it to that that's one today. Yep. <laughs> that kind of one had my heart in my mouth for a moment then. I had to go and look at it online. Had to, had to go to the Bible to see. And the last one is kind of a prayer request. So, so glad we can get Faith FM radio on 880 FM at Mandura. Um, and please pray for uh, my wife, Tina. Please pray for her to withstand some stress and trouble. Okay, Hunty, say a prayer, bro. Okay, dear, dear Heavenly Father, we'd like to bring uh, Tina and the family to you this afternoon. We know, Lord, that you can 
you can bring peace. And we pray that you'll wrap your loving arms around them and be close to them, Lord. Um, please comfort them. And whatever needs you can supply for them, we ask in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, that's it, Hunty. It is. That is Ask the Aussie Pastor. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I want to encourage you that if you have questions, to get them through to us. We'll always do our best to answer them. I think, did we get sure. through them all today, Hunter? Yep, we did. Yep, that's We all. did. We yep. got through them all. Um, yep. and, and, and let me just give you one reminder of how to do it, because you can actually send your questions through to us at any time. Right yep. now, yep. if you send a question through yep. or a prayer request, we'll deal with it in the next radio program. So, Hunty, one more time, yep. just just to give this a bit of a, a push along, a bit sure. of a punch, where, where would we go, who do we text to and who do we email to if we want to get our questions in? The easiest way to contact us is, is via SMS, 0488-880-851, but you can email us, info at aussiepastor.com. This next song, Through the Fire by Randy Travis, is a beauty. I hope you enjoy it, and when we come back after the song, we'll have Harold Harker with a story which I'm telling you is a ripper. But here's Randy Travis, Through the Fire.
much Randy Travis through the fire. I'm hoping and praying that we've got Harold Harker online. How's that going, Hunty? Yes, good. Yeah, he's here. We're here. How are you, Harold? It's great to talk to you, Lloyd. I hear you might be locked down up there too, is that right? Yes, we're locked down just like you are. Actually, you're not locked down just like us. We're 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 locked down to five, five Ks. I think five Ks. you're allowed to go out to ten Ks. So, oh well. <laughs> Who are we going to talk about today? We got a great guy. He's called Thomas Bilney. He's not very well known, but he was a great fellow and did a great work. He was born in 1495. Tell us what sort of a man was he? Well, he was he was a short guy. And he was called Little Bilney, so I guess he wasn't over five foot at the best. So, uh, yeah, he was a shy and a gentle fellow, and he was born in this place of Norwich, about 180k northeast of London. So was he well educated? Well, he went to uh, Cambridge University for his education, and there he was a resident of Trinity Hall, so he had a good education at the university. Now, like a lot of people in his time, he was struggling to find peace. Tell us about that. And, and, and how, how, did he, how did he find his peace? Well, you know, to have peace of mind and peace of heart, he was a very serious guy, and he tried everything he could. He fasted lots. He had long vigils. That's prayers that went for hours. He went to many masses, and he even purchased indulgences for his sins but he couldn't find peace of mind through all of those. So he comes across a guy called, uh, make sure I get this right, Erasmus. Um, what influence did Erasmus have on young Thomas in this search for peace? Well, Erasmus had been a lecturer at Cambridge and he had published a Greek New Testament, Novum is Instrumentum, and uh, Thomas Bilney managed to get a copy of this. It was a forbidden book, and he mm. started to read the New Testament that came in Greek. So what did he find in the New Testament that impacted him so deeply? Well, when he got this New Testament, he took it to his room. He obviously would have shut the door. It was a forbidden book, and it just opened. The book opened to First Timothy one fifteen, and this is what he read. It is a true saying and worthy of all men to be embraced that came into the world to save sinners of chief. Yeah, Christ came. I, I think you, you, you kind of, uh, we lost you there a little bit, but what the verse said was that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I was chief. Now, now that became a very important verse to Thomas. Well, that really changed his life. He then focused on Jesus Christ who can save sinners and that became, the, you know, how he lived by this after that time. Now, Thomas, this is interesting to me because he went, Martin Luther, who was pretty much a contemporary of him, they lived more or less the same times. Yep. He yep. also, uh, uh, he was a priest. Now, now this man, uh, Thomas, he becomes a Catholic priest, but did he ever leave the church like Luther? Because it seems like they're, they're on the same journey. They're both searching for peace. They're both doing some pretty incredible things to their body, you know, flagellating themselves with a whip. Yep. Um, they're praying. They're, they're doing long vigils. They're, they're trying to find peace. Both come in contact with the Bible. Both 
are priests. So this guy, Thomas, becomes a priest. Luther leaves the priesthood and Catholicism. What about Thomas? No, Thomas stays in the church. He was ordained as a priest in 1519 by the Bishop of Eli, which is just not far from his University of Cambridge. Yep. And so he stayed in the church, but he read the Bible and he kept reading it all his life. Now, he belonged to a group, an interesting group. I've heard about this group before in my studies uh, called the Little Germans or Little Germany. Tell us about that. Well, in Cambridge, a group of these guys who became the leaders of the Protestant church in, in England, they met in a place called the White Horse Inn, and there they uh, discussed the teachings of Martin Luther. Even though Luther's books were banned and some of them were burnt, they, they kept talking about what Luther was preaching over in Germany. And, that must have uh, been an incredible a, meeting, Harold. You can oh, imagine these guys in this inn all gathered around. They'd be talking quietly, but the gospel is being lit by Christ in this inn amongst these men in this group called Little Germany, correct? That's correct, and they kept meeting every week. And as a result of what they were doing, students in seven of all the university colleges in, in Cambridge, they were against the, the established church because they wanted salvation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I incredible story, really. Now, Hugh Latimer, he was amongst these men. What impact did he have on, on, on Thomas's life? Well, Latimer, of course, was a, a great guy, and he came... Uh, Bilney didn't know how he could get to him, and so he, he said to him, uh, I think, uh, Latimer, would you come and hear my, my confession? And yep. what he wanted to do, he really told his spiritual journey to Latimer, and Latimer then becomes a Protestant and says, that's the way for me too. So he had a great influence on a lot of people. Latimer, of course, was one of the leaders of the church at that time. So what you're saying is this guy, Hugh Latimer, is a leader in the church. Thomas, who is uh, 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 a young man still, a shy person, not yep. a real bold man, he calls a meeting with Hugh Latimer. They get together, and Thomas shares with him his testimony and converts Latimer. Is that what you're saying? And then Latimer That's goes correct, on to become one of the main leaders of the Protestant Reformation. In fact, not in this group, the Little Germany group, there's yep. other names. Thomas Cranmer, he, he was a martyr in Oxford later. He was the yep. future Archbishop of Canterbury. There was Hugh Latimer we're talking about, and he became the Bishop of Worcester, and uh, he also became a martyr. There was Miles Coverdale, who was one of the translators of the Bible into English, and there was William Tyndale, who did the same. Here's this group of guys are all talking about the Bible and seeing what will happen when you really read it and understand it. Um, and this all was influenced primarily by this young, shy, reserved man, Thomas. That's him. He was shy. He was, he was timid. But you know what he did? He prayed and prayed and he pled, pled with God for souls and God answers him, and these guys become great stalwarts in the church with the with the gospel of Jesus. 
but all led and influenced very deeply by this young, shy, retiring man. This little Bilney, this little guy. Yeah. It's incredible, incredible, really, how God uses some of the most humble of us to do the most incredible things. And to this day, he's not really that well known. In 1527, things start to go badly for Thomas. What happened? Oh, 1527, a lot of things go. He's, uh, because he's been telling people all about it, he's now arraigned before the Bishop Wolseley, uh, and, uh, he's, he's really a Jew, he's really accused of heresy. Yeah. And they really put the pressure on this guy. And as they put the pressure on in front of all these bishops, he's made to abjure. That means to say, I was wrong. And he yeah. stood shamefully and he really went back on what he believed. Well, they put him in the Tower of London, didn't they? Well, uh, if you're he, in he the was, Tower of London, you, and he was there for a whole year. Yeah, he was left yeah. there to rot in the Tower of London. So in a sense, under the pressure of the jail, being hauled before the bishop uh, yep. in front of the entire nation, this young man kind of did turn back on his faith. Yes. But, but that wasn't the end. Go on, sorry. No, that wasn't the end. They let him out of the Tower of London after a whole year and he goes back to Cambridge and he's full of remorse. He yeah. wasn't the, the leader he wanted to be. Yeah, I think we've all been through times of failure like that uh, where we're full of remorse. And so he's full of remorse, but then by 1530, three years later, he's back at it. He's into the gospel, he's preaching, he's doing the same thing, he's taken on his old beliefs, uh, and he's arrested. Tell us what happens uh, after he's arrested. Well, after he's arrested, they take this guy because he'd been preaching everywhere he wasn't allowed to preach in the churches, so he preached in the fields and the meadows and the streets. And when he's arrested, he's tried, and they say, you're finished as a priest, and they degrade him. In other words, they take his priestly vestments off him and say, you've got no authority anymore. And he he ends up, what happens? Take the well, story he, further. He's then, he's then going to be accused and, and put forward to be a martyr. And he was executed. Yeah, he was. How did they? How did they execute him? Wow, they took him back. It's interesting. This guy who was born in Norfolk or Norwich in Norfolk, northeast of London, he went back and he preached there, and he was sent there when they were going to kill him. They took him back to uh, Norwich, and they said, "Okay, uh, you're going to go there." And But he's a good cheer, and uh, one of his mates came to talk with him, and they read Isaiah 43 together, and uh, it says, Fear not, I've redeemed you, I've called you by your name, you are mine. When you pass through the rivers, they won't overflow you. At his martyrdom, he then calls out and recites the Apostles' Creed, mm. and then he kneels down, and prays a mighty prayer as a witness to his faith. You imagine if you were there and you're going to be burnt, and then he recites Psalm 143, and he wouldn't have had his Bible with him, and he just calls out to God and he says, My soul searches for you. Now, in Norwich, they would walk the people over a bridge outside the walls to what was called Lollard's Pit. 
They'd killed a number of Lollards there and later anyone accused of heresy. And so he is there in this place where they kill people. They uh, make them martyrs and it's watched by a huge crowd of spectators. Mm-hmm. This guy in his death even influences others for Jesus Christ. I was interested in that, that this huge crowd of, you can imagine it, huge crowd of people watching He's preaching, he's praying, he's giving his witness, he's giving his testimony, and then they light, they tie him to the stake and they light the flames. And as the flames are licking up around his legs, what did he cry out? He calls out, Jesus, Jesus, I believe. And in his death, he shows that belief in Jesus gives you life. You know, this guy, from the time he started to read that, Greek New Testament, he was a devotee of the Word of God. He never was weary of reading it all his life, and he always prayed for souls. And even when they're killing him, he's there saying, I believe. What a strong testimony of faith this Thomas Bilney was. Wonderful story, Harold, of a man who gave a witness, a reserved, a shy man, not that charismatic, not an extrovert, and yet he shook England and is one of the fires that lit the Protestant Reformation. Thank you for coming today and sharing that story. We look forward to hearing many more. We'll talk again, Lloyd. God bless. You too. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This is True North, and they're singing a beautiful song, Master of the Wind. My boat of life sails on a troubled sea. Again, I know the master of the wind. 
shine again I know the master of the wind Oh, let Jesus calm your storm And let the sun shine again He is the master of the wind Good Good song. I like that one. Yeah, me too. Master of the Wind. And I like that story of that young man. You know, he was only 35 when he died. And these guys lived a lifetime. And they just shook the continent. They they shook Europe. They shook, shook England to its very foundations. I never knew much about that guy, Thomas Bellaney. But, yeah. you know, he was the one who led all these fabulous, uh, larger-than-life Protestants uh He's the one who led them to Jesus. They wouldn't have found Jesus mm. without him. Yep. The silent reformer died, a Catholic priest, but loved the Lord Jesus Christ, knew what it was like to be saved by grace alone. Isn't that a beautiful thing, Hunty? Beautiful indeed. And he paid the ultimate sacrifice for his life. And in many ways, Hunty, us guys today sit here rejoicing in the gospel because yes. of his witness. Amen. Yeah, we do. Because of his witness. Yep. Tremendous man. And some of these people we talk about, I'm saying this to our listeners, it's worth Googling them and finding out more about their life because they are truly, truly inspiring men and women, men and women, which is why I, I, I like to bring Harold on to tell these mm. stories. Hey, quiz time. Who won our quiz last week, Hunty? Okay. Well, we had a lot of incorrect answers, but the first <laughs> correct answer and only correct answer okay. was Cheryl. I won't, say, I won't say her surname. She's from South Australia. And she, her answer to who was translated to heaven without ever dying, she said Enoch. And we asked how old Methuselah was, and she said 969. And as far as I reckon, right on both counts. She wins. Ding, ding. So I'll, um, will I'll, contact yep, you. I'll contact you after. Yep. And here's the deal. We'll give you a choice of an NKJV, an NLT, or an NIV Bible. Indeed. I like giving Bibles out as the prize for our quiz. We cannot give people a greater gift. In fact, if I had the money, I'd offer gifts. I'd, I'd offer the gift of a Bible to every single listener we've got. For sure. I don't have the money. For uh, sure. <laughs> but are you ready for the question this, this week, Hunty? Yes. What is the question this week for the quiz? Remember, you're not allowed to answer it, mate. You remember last week when we were nearly, doing this? I nearly did. I got excited. <laughs> you almost answered the quiz question. I knew the, I knew the answer. <laughs> and again, the prize is either an NLT, yep. that's my favourite version, yep, yep. and they're all good, NIV, NKJV, you can even have a KJV Bible if you want. Uh, you'll tell Hunty what version you want and we'll get it out to you. Is that right, Hunty? We will. Yes, okay. So here's a question. You ready? Yep. Who, you've got to name them, who went on Noah's Ark? Now, oh, I've given you one. I know it again. I've given you, I've given you one, Noah, but you've got to <laughs> name the others. The others as they are identified in the Bible. Who went on Noah's Ark? Now, how do they get that answer to us, Hunty? You just SMS that to us on 0488-880-851 or you can email it info at aussiepastor.com. We have the same number for everything. For everything. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> and you still don't know it, do you, Hunty? <laughs> like I said, brain's full. <laughs> one more time, one more time. Okay. Number and email. Yep, text us on 0488 or email us info at com. Brightly beams our Father's mercy. Beautiful song from the lower lights. 
heavenly beasts Our Father's mercy From His light House evermore But to us He gives the keeping Of the lights along the shore Struggling seamen, you may rescue, you may save. Dark the night of sin has settled, loud the angry bellows. Father's Mercy from the Lower Lights. Another beautiful song. Time for Bible study, Andrew Hunt. It is. You ready? I'm ready. 
We've been talking about the law and grace, and I'm going to ask Andrew a question without notice. Here we go. <laughs> I'm not the brightest or sharpest tool in the shed. Uh, I don't know about that. Here we go. I can see, here we I can go. see him on my little monitor here <laughs> starting to breathe a little harder and a little heavier. <laughs> yep. <laughs> How would you define grace? Uh, well, grace is when you are forgiven for something you don't deserve to be forgiven for. That's an excellent definition. Woo-hoo. So it's God forgiving you for something you don't deserve to be forgiven for. And more than that, it's God taking your place in that, in the punishment for that sin, correct? Yes. That, that I can't believe. That God, this is grace. You go to God, you ask for forgiveness, he forgives you. Yep. He then takes your sins. He doesn't just do that. He takes your sins, Jesus this is, and puts them upon himself and takes them to the cross so that then when God the Father then looks at you in judgment, he sees Christ, not you, because Christ took your sins. It's called an intercessor. He stands between you and God in your place in judgment, and God sees Jesus' incredibly beautiful, perfect, spotless life instead of yours, and he sees Jesus having paid the sins for you, and he doesn't see you there. He sees Jesus and you're innocent. And, and, and that's the gospel. That's grace. So another question without notice hunting. Oh, no. <laughs> Easy ones, mate. Be I knew good. you'd have the answer to the grace one, and I know you have the answer to this. What is the law of God? Well, Ten Commandments. It is. It's the commandments. Where would you find them? Exodus, Exodus 20. Chapter 20. Yep. That's right. So, so you've got the law of God. And you've got grace. Grace saved by Jesus is the law of God. A lot of people think that you're saved by keeping the law. They do. And then you've got a, a lot of people who think you're saved by grace. And sometimes those people who are, think that you're saved by grace will look at the law and say, well, the law doesn't matter anymore. That's right. Mm. So we're going to look at the relationship mm. between the law yep. and grace. The, the last couple of weeks in our Bible study we've been doing that, but we're yep. going to look at it again today, and we're going to look at it from my, one of mine, I know it's one of yours too, Hunty, mm. favourite passages of Scripture, sure Romans chapter 7. Now, if you have a Bible, if you're at home, of course you can't do this if you're in the car, <laughs> but if you're at home, I'd encourage you to open the Bible to Romans chapter 7. This is Paul the Apostle, one of, if not other than Jesus, the greatest theologian in all the Bible. This guy knows the story of grace. And he knows the law's place in that story. You ready, Hunty? I'm ready. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. You go for it. Just okay. just read verse 14. Okay, I've got the New Living Translation open. Yep. Um, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is a spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. Okay, okay. First point there, Hunty. Is the law, is the Ten Commandments good or bad? Uh, According to that. Spiritual and good. It's good. Yeah. The law of God is good. These preachers, these teachers out there, in all manner of churches and denominations across Protestantism and Christianity that say that the law is bad, that's been done away with, it doesn't matter. Well, they need to read Paul. Correct. Because that's not what Paul says. He says the law is good. It is spiritual. He said the problem is what? Me. I. The trouble is with me, for I'm all too human. Do you identify that too, Andrew? Totally. Of course, the problem's not the law that tells me what's good and what's bad, what's right and what's wrong. The problem is me. And when I look at the law, I I see myself in the mirror and I go, oh, wow, that's not pretty. That's right. That's not pretty. Now, let's have a look at the problem, Hunty. This is... this. Andrew's a bit disappointed I used this version today because he's got a, I think he likes the I've NIV. I've memorised it in the, in, in the KJV, but here we go. Oh, the KJV, not the NIV. Okay. Yeah, but that's okay. Verse 19. This is, this is way better. Oh, verse 19. 
Uh, sorry, not verse... 15. Yeah, I was going to do 15. Yes. <laughs> I haven't got my glasses on, forgive me. Now, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, you're with him here, Hunter. Oh, we go. Are you, are you with him? I'm totally... I understand. <laughs> I can keep going. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. This is interesting here what he's saying. It is. He says the law is good. Yes. He says I've got a problem and it's called sin. Now he says I want to do what is good. I want to keep the law. But as much as I try, I can't. And the problem, the reason I can't is because I have what inside of me? Sin. I'm a sinful naked person. I have sin inside of me, so yep. try as I might, I can't be good. Now, he just reinforces this now, verse 18. Huh? Yep. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. <laughs> Keep going. I'm laughing because <laughs> my take the description. Yeah, beautiful. But if Keep I going. do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. He's saying I got a problem. I got this thing. It's a virus. And it is a pandemic, by the way, it is. across the human race. Yep. He says it's got it's called sin. It's living inside of me, and it's the sin inside me that stops me doing good. Oh man, mm. I relate to this. Me too. I think everyone does if they're honest. Yep. They relate to this. I want to do good, but I don't. In fact, sometimes you go and do things and you scratch your head and you go, What was that about? That's not what I want to be. That's mm. not how I want to behave. That's not how I want to act. And yet I've just gone and done it. And you scratch your head and you feel guilt and you feel, feel shame and you feel awful. Mm. Well, that's what Paul's talking about here. Yep. Keep going, mate. Verse 21. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Stop there. How beautiful is that? True. It, 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 it's incredible how Paul so accurately defines here the human condition. Here you've got somebody who wants to follow Jesus. They want to follow him, aren't they? That's right. They want to be in his kingdom. Yep. They want to be yep. a good man. They want to do the law. But when they try to do the law, what do they do? They fail. They fail. Miserably. They sin. And you know what? I have been 31 years a pastor and there's nothing miserable. There's nothing more miserable mm. than a Christian in the church yep. who wants to follow Jesus yep. Christ, who knows what is right, who gets the law, knows right and wrong, and they try and they really, really try and they keep failing and they keep failing and they keep failing and they become the most miserable People on earth. Mm, That's why Christians that haven't discovered what we're about to look at in the next week or two, Hunty, yep. as they get older, become miserable, cantankerous, and cranky. Because they listen up to they listen to the preacher up the front talking about how wonderful it is to walk with Jesus. Yep. They listen to him talking about how wonderful it is to overcome yep. and how to, to defeat Satan and to have a life of victory, and they go, Oh, that's not me. 
And I don't think this is fair because I want to follow Jesus. I'm desperate to follow Jesus, but I keep failing. Yep. And they become miserable, and they become cranky, yep. and they become cantankerous people. In fact, the most miserable of all, I'll tell you what, as a pastor, if you've got someone like that in your church, on the church board, watch out, auntie, because <laughs> they're going to be trouble, 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 because they're looking at everybody else and saying, well, they've got something I haven't. It's not fair. I'm miserable. I'm going to make them miserable. True. Have you experienced people like that? Well, certainly we all have. <sighs> And you might be thinking to yourself, that's me today. I want to do what is good and I never can. I keep doing the wrong thing all the time. Well, this is where it gets interesting. I want you to read verse 24 again and then verse 25, Hunty. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And Thank- now Paul starts to give us the answer. Yep. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So Paul doesn't give the answer here, Hunty. Mm. He just opens up a little window and gives us a glimpse. He says, you don't have to live like this. You don't have to be like this. This is not how God designed it. Thank God for Jesus Christ because he is the answer. And next week, Hunty, yep. we're going to find out in Romans chapter 8 what Jesus gives us as an antidote for this terrible human condition that we've all experienced. Now, if you can't wait till next week, and I hope that's how you are today, mm. if you say, this is me, this is what I've been experiencing, experiencing, and I've had enough, well, you know what to do? Go and open the Bible and read Romans chapter 8. Because the answer for this awful predicament is in Romans chapter 8, my friend. But you know what, Hunty, if you want to know more, Listen to this song that we're going to close our program with today because it too will give you the answer to this awful human predicament. Is the greatest joy for me
You know, a lot of people will say to me that Paul's description in Romans chapter 7 is the description of a born-again, washed-in-his-blood Christian. I'll tell you, it's not. That's the experience of someone before they meet Jesus with all its frustrations and with all its failures. And Romans chapter 8, where we're going, Romans chapter 8, that's the key. And it's where I constantly, as a fallen man at times, have to go back to. It's the answer to Romans chapter 7, and it is beautiful. And We're going to look at it next week. Let's pray. Lord, be with us now. We love you so much. We are washed in your blood, but teach us this important lesson that we're beginning to learn today because it is the answer to victory. It is the answer to life and living in you. Bless each person today listening to this program, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor and I love you. But you know what? And it's a beautiful truth. Jesus, he loves you so much more. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 